name is Marcus Corpening. Um, as Rona said, I'm a pastor at New Philadelphia Church. I serve at the Itaewon campus. And, uh, whoa, Itaewon. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we got like two people here from that campus. Three. And uh, including myself, four. And, uh, yeah, so I was a... I was an exchange student at Yonsei in 2007. Um, that was a long time ago, I guess, for you guys. Uh, it was a long time ago for me. Um, yeah, and then I was, I guess what Emmaus was called YCF then. I was a student uh, at YCF for a semester. God totally rocked me, changed my my life. I went back home to North Carolina. Oh, okay, all right. Oh, oh, okay, all right. Oh. You know what? See, there's, there, man, God's moving in Emmaus. God's moving. Where in North Carolina? Greens, Greens, Charlotte. Oh, I'm from Asheboro. Okay, all right, okay. Wait, it's like just the black people have been here. <laughs> I'm from the same place. <laughs> yeah, so I'm from North Carolina. I went to school in North Carolina. Um, and then I, I felt like God was calling me to come back to Korea. Um, yeah, and then God just opened up doors that no man could shut, and now I'm serving at New Philly, and it's just been amazing. Yeah, man, God's good. We're going to go ahead and get into the Word, so I'm just going to say a prayer, and then we'll get into it. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence in worship. We thank you for your presence, Lord, here at this retreat. We thank you, Father, for showing up in such uh, powerful ways last night as Pastor Christian delivered the word. And God, we pray that you would just increase your presence, Lord, here during this time as I deliver the word as well. God, I pray over every person here. I pray that their hearts and minds would be open to receive your word, Lord. Yeah, God, I break off every attack of the enemy. I break off any uh, spirits of discouragement or or apathy, God, or feelings of neglect, God. And Father, I just pray that in this place, Lord, that there will be spirit and life, God, that life will be abundant in this place. Yeah, Lord, and we just thank you, Father. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so, yeah, so last night, Pastor Christian preached, and I heard he he preached on, uh, what was it? What did he preach about? Being spiritual, like five of you guys knew that, like five people. Were like, he being spiritual. What did Pastor Christian talk about? Being right. There we go. Every everyone heard it the first time, but Pastor Christian talked about being a spiritual Christian, and he talked. And I know he talked about. I'm sure he talked about the Holy Spirit. If he talked about being a spiritual Christian, and it's really important for us if we're going to be spiritual Christians to have the Holy Spirit, right? But not just for us to, it's not just good for us to be spiritual Christians. But if you're going to be a spiritual Christian, you got to be a powerful Christian. You can be a spiritual Christian, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But if there's areas in your mind, if there's areas in your life that you've not dealt with, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but experience no power in your life. And it's really important for you today to know that your mindset has to shift. It says in the Bible that we are transformed by the renewal of our minds. You know, today I'm not going to talk to you like like it's Sunday school. I'm not going to talk to you like you're ignorant or not intelligent. You know, you guys are all college students. You guys are all smart. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. I was going to say I was waiting. If one person said amen, I was like, oh, man, I'm start praying right now. 
you know, I'm just going to come to you real today because there's not much time for you to, to mess around. You can be a spiritual Christian, but it's important not just for you to be a spiritual Christian, but for you to be a powerful one. It's not just important for you to be filled with the spirit, but you also to be led by the spirit. Those who are led by the spirit are called sons of God. And each one of us, we are sons and daughters of God. Amen. You know. Our mindsets have to change because if our mindset doesn't change, we can be the most powerful person on the inside, but never see it manifest in our lives. You know, like like Daniel right here. Daniel's a big guy. He's like six foot two, 200 and some odd pounds. And he's like muscular and built over at at the Itaewon campus at the office. They made him like move desks all day. <laughs> Even like our brother Eugene over there. Eugene, you know, Eugene works out and stuff. He's he's pretty stout. Um, you know, I I, I do push-ups. But, you know, it's like you can be the most muscular guy. You can be the biggest guy. You can have all the muscles. But if you don't use it, it doesn't really matter. You could be the you could be a guy that's, you know, six foot two, three hundred pounds of pure muscle. But if your mindset hasn't changed, you'll be afraid of a mosquito. You know, I want my uncle, he's he's a bodybuilder. And he's like three times my size. And when I say that, I mean it like literally. He is three times my size. And he's this huge guy, real big. When he was in college, not in college, when he was in high school, he weighed 130 pounds and was was bench pressing and weightlifting 300 pounds. It's like insane, right? Like he's like jacked. He's, he's, yeah, it is possible. It is totally possible. And then like when he was like in his mid twenties, he was weighing like 250 pounds and he was bench pressing like 500 pounds and squatting 700 pounds, like a squat. You know, you guys know a squat. You're in Korea now. You see the kimchi squat all the time, right? And, but he's this huge muscular guy, but he's a bodybuilder. So he doesn't ever use that strength. He just walks around in like a, bikini stand <laughs> up posing yo yo take every thought captive right now i'm sorry i'm sorry you guys every single one of you are like oh sisters i said you got to change your mindset not that direction though not that direction and today i want to confront a mindset that many of us especially young people especially people in in our generation, shall I say, I'm only, I'm only 26, so I'm going to say our generation. You know, I, I mean, I wear a V-neck tee, you know. That makes that, like, we, we, we're one in that. I wear a V-neck. I got slim fit jeans. Not skinnies, not skinnies. I went to, uh, we, were in, we were in California, and I went in, in H&M. Don't judge me for going in H&M, but I went in H&M because I heard they got, like, real cheap jeans. Like, you can... A guy, you can go buy some jeans for like 20 bucks, guys, if you want some jeans. You, you may not want to be seen in H&M, so go like early in the morning or something when no one's there. But we go up in H&M, and I don't know why I'm even talking about this, but we go up in H&M, and I was like, man, I, I saw this pair of jeans, and it said $20. I was like, snap. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a seminary student. 
$20 on a pair of jeans. I'll take that. And it's like, oh, my size. All right, cool. And it said slim fit. And so, like, you know, baggy jeans ain't in style no more. If you're still wearing baggies, you got to stop. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? If you're still wearing baggies, guys, you know, you get some clothes that fit. And it says slim fit. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get these slim fit. And then I go... And I go, I don't even, I don't even try them on because there was like a line. I'm like, I ain't got to try them on. It's my size. I know me. And I take them, I buy them, and then I go home and I, I begin to put these jeans on. And by the time it makes it to my kneecap, it got real tight around the kneecap. And then I could see like the top of my kneecap bursting through the fabric. And I was like, what, what's going on right now? I was like, oh, this must be the fabric. It's just a little tight. I just stretch it out. It's all good. And then I pulled it up. But when I pulled it up, it was like the fabric stopped. There wasn't any more fabric. So it did like a, like a spandex kind of thing. And I pulled it up. And when I, I buttoned it, it kind of like snapped. Like, you know, like, you know, like spandex, like it, I used to wrestle. So like, I mean, but it like snapped. And I was, so I gave those jeans to Pastor Aaron. <laughs> all that's to say our generation I don't know why I went off in the tangent that must mean I feel real comfortable with you guys right now <laughs> our generation you know there's so many things that God has promised to our generation so many things that God has for our generation even last night with Pastor Christian talking about being a spiritual Christian there's so much that God has for us and there's so much that we receive when we become a Christian, when we become one with Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive that empowerment. We receive everything that God has for us. But one thing that really stops us from stepping into what God has for us is our mentality. And today I'm going to encourage you to shift specifically in your mentality. And in one area in particular, and that's the victim mentality. You know, so many of us in the body of Christ, we have a victim mentality. We define ourselves by the things that have happened to us, by the things that other people have done to us, by our circumstances, by our environment. And we see ourselves as being victims. We see ourselves as being, you know, passive like, I am the way I am because of these things that have happened to me. I, I am this way. I'm apathetic. You know why I'm apathetic? I'm apathetic because of the church I used to attend. You know why I don't like Christians? You know why I don't like Christians? Because my parents were pastors and they were really strict on me. You know why I'm bitter? You know why I'm angry? You know, because I was abused. You know why I act the way I do? You know why I have the mindsets? It's all because of something that's happened to me, something that someone else has done, something that in an environment that I was placed in, not of my own choosing. And we have a victim mentality. I want you to open up your Bible. I want you to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 5. I really feel like that the word of the Lord for each one of you today is for you to shift from a victim mentality into a victorious one. 
Because until you shift from being from thinking of yourself as being a victim to thinking of yourself as someone who is victorious in Christ, it doesn't matter how much you receive from God. You won't walk in it. It doesn't matter how many times you come out to church. It doesn't matter how many times someone prays for you. It doesn't matter how many times you read your Bible. It doesn't matter about any of those things. You will continue to walk in defeat. You'll wonder why your heart continues to stay cold. Let's look at the Bible. John chapter 5, it says, we're going to read verses um, 2 to 9. How about I take two verses and then you guys take two verses and we'll alternate like that, all right? Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids. It's invalids, not invalids. <laughs> Blind, lame, and paralyzed. You guys go? <laughs> the sick man answered him, Sir, I have to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. Amen. So I'm sure some of you guys have heard this story before. So Jesus enters into the Jerusalem. He walks in by this gate. And at this gate, there's this pool called Bethesda. Everyone say Bethesda. So he walks in and he sees this. He goes up to this pool and this pool had really special qualities to it. There's actually a verse in there. If you if you were paying attention, you notice that it goes from from verse three to verse five. All of a sudden, it's because there there is a verse four. It's just it came in later. And, and what it talks about is the actual properties of this pool, Bethesda. This this pool, Bethesda, was a special pool. It was like, you know, all of a sudden what would happen was. They would, these people would be around this pool. It's a pool, so there's not like any water flowing into it. And all of a sudden, the water would begin to stir. And when the water began to stir, that they knew that an angel of the Lord was actually coming to stir up this pool. And if they got into the pool while the water was stirred, they would be healed. It was like the pool became a jacuzzi. It became a whirlpool, you know. And when you jumped in, in that very moment, you were healed. Jesus walks up to this pool in Bethesda and he sees a bunch of invalids. He sees a bunch of people who are laying around the pool, hoping for the the water to be stirred so that they can jump in and finally get their healing. He sees a particular man and he talks to him. And then Jesus, they have this, he has this encounter. This man gets healed. It's very powerful. I want us to look at it. I want us to look at verse three. See, Jesus walks up. He walks up to this pool in Bethesda and then he sees a multitude of invalids. The Bible says he sees a multitude of invalids. And this word invalid in the original language, it meant someone who was pitiful, someone who was poor, someone who was diseased. Another way to understand this word was impotent. You, you know what impotent means, right? 
Okay, yeah, you know what impotent means. You know, impotent is, is a lot of times associated with someone who's not able to produce life with their wife. I don't, don't even act like that. It's all good. We're all adults. You hear worse stuff on Jersey Shore. And he walks up and he sees this multitude of invalids. He sees a multitude of people who are impotent, people who are laying there by the pool and they have no life in them. He sees a multitude of people who are laying there by the pool and they're invalids. And this word invalid doesn't just mean someone who's sick, someone who's diseased, but it also means someone who willingly does not take up the strength that's been given to them. You know, many of you, God has given you so much, but you're not willing to take up the strength that he's given you. It also says, if you look in verse three, it says that they were what? Blind, lame and paralyzed. I want you to give me some grace because I'm going to put my finger on some things right now. And I want you to have an open mind and an open heart and really begin to evaluate your Christian walk with sober judgment. It says that they were blind. That word blind meant that their it actually meant that their sight was cloudy or hazed. It meant that there was such a fog over their sight that it was as if they were blind. And I know there's many of you that came in here today and your walk with God. When you think about when you even try to picture or pray to God, it is very cloudy. It's very smoky. You feel almost blind in your relationship to God. When you look to someone else who's worshiping and talking about, well, you, God encountered me and he gave me this break. Good for you. Because you don't see it in your spiritual walk. When you pray, it feels like you're talking to a wall, doesn't it? It feels like God is just so far away. It feels like you're just completely blind to the spiritual things that are happening around you. Even last night with Pastor Christian talking about being a spiritual Christian. That was like an entirely different language to you because you felt you feel like you're blind. It said also that they were lame. That doesn't mean like you're lame. <laughs> yeah, turn to your neighbor telling me you're lame. <laughs> Some of you guys are a bit too excited. You're lame. Sucker. Janae, Janae, that. You totally didn't. You, you're so lame. <laughs> not only were they blind, not only were they completely cut off to the spiritual, but they were also lame. And what this word means when it says lame is that they were crippled in the feet. It meant that in the actual word, the full meaning of that word in the original language meant that they were unable to walk in the manner by which they were made to walk. They were unable to walk in the path by which God had purposed them to walk in because they were lame. Their feet were crippled. There's many of you in, in whom God has put so many great things upon your life, but your walk is lame. You ever seen a lame person try to walk? They take a couple steps and what do they do? They fall down again. And they take a couple more steps and then they fall down again. And then they try to take a couple more steps and they fall down again. But after a while, they get so depressed, so much despair because they realize that they don't think they have enough strength to walk. 
that they'd rather just lay on the ground by the pool. I want to ask you, is that what your Christian walk looks like? You know, I want to be set free from this thing. I want to walk in the way that God has called me to walk. But every single time I try, every single time I begin to take steps to live that way, I fall down. I succumb to temptation. Something else happens. You know what? It's just better that I just cut myself off. It's better that I just stay where I'm at than to try to get up and walk again and fall right back down. It also said that they were paralyzed. That word paralyzed actually doesn't mean someone who doesn't have, who's unable to walk. But the actual word meant withered or dry. That's what that word means. When, it's, when, when John was writing that they were paralyzed, he was actually saying that they were dry. That the properties of, of who these, these men were and these women were that were laid out by this pool was that it was like it was like a green leaf that no longer had water in it and so it shriveled up it was like a land that was lush and filled with life but now there's no more water and it's a desert land i want to ask you is that what your faith looks like right now You don't have to even tell me. I know for many of you, that's what your faith looks like right now. You sing the songs, you pray the prayers, but everything just feels really dry. You feel paralyzed. You feel completely numb. This is who Jesus walked up to when he walked up to the pool of Bethesda. He walked up to people who were blind, lame, and paralyzed. And specifically, when Jesus walked up, he walked up to this one particular man. And this man, he had been, he had been an invalid. He had been someone who had no life in him. Who had just been laying there for 38 years. He had been laying there like, you know, twice as long as many of you guys have been alive. Some of you guys. 38 years. And that's all he ever knew. A life that was blind lame, dry. And Jesus walks up to this man and Jesus knew that he had been there for a long time. Jesus didn't ask him, you know, what's up, homie? Uh, how long, how long you been laying here, bro? Now, Jesus knew his situation. Jesus walked up to him and it says in the Bible that Jesus knew that he had been laying there for a long time. 
Many of you, you think that God doesn't know where you're at. He knows exactly where you're at. You think that Jesus walks up and he doesn't know where your spiritual condition actually is. He knows. You know, after after Peter had completely denied Jesus, after Peter had completely said, you know, I don't even know this man. When Jesus had was resurrected and Peter walked up to him again, Peter confessed. He said, Lord, you know everything. Jesus looks at you and he knows your spiritual condition. He knows exactly where you're at. And he's not intimidated by it. Many of us, we think that God is intimidated by our doubt. We think that God is intimidated by the fact that we feel blind, lame and paralyzed. We, we think that God somehow sees our condition and he looks at us and he's like, oh, man, they're in a pretty bad place. I'm, I'm, I may need to give them some space. Oh, man, you know what? They, they, they were going out getting crunk every single weekend. I think I just need to not talk to them for a while. But that's not God. That's not Jesus. Jesus walked up to people that he knew were laying there in a pitiful condition for years and years and years. And he didn't turn away. He walked to them. And even now, Jesus walks up to you in your spiritual condition, wherever you're at, because he's not intimidated. And what does he say to him? He says, son, do you want to be healed? Other translations say, do you want to be made whole? I'm going to get back to that. But what what did he respond with? Son, you know, I know your condition. I know exactly where you're at. I know how you've been laying there and how you've been apathetic and how you've been bitter and how you've been resentful and how everything in your life feels like it's going downhill. I know exactly what you're going through. Do you want to be made whole? And his response was a victim response. His response showed that he had a victim mentality. Because here's what he says. The sick man answers him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. You know, Jesus walks up to this man and he asks him a simple question. Do you want to be made whole? I look at your spiritual condition and I see where you're standing right now and you're not whole. There's a place inside of you that is continually feeling like it's empty. There's a place inside of you that continually feels broken and needs my touch and needs healing. But do you want to be made well? And his response was. You know what? I have no one to put me into this pool. I have no one to touch me. I have no one to pick me up and actually give me what I need. Jesus, you know why I've been laying here for all this time? It's because no one will help me. Jesus, you know why I've been in this condition the entire time? Because every time I try to get up, someone else gets it. You know, so many times people come up to you and they speak words of life, don't they? 
You know what? You're more than a conqueror. You know what? That's not really you. No, you know why I'm this way? I'm this way because I was abused when I was a child. I'm this way because somebody hurt me. Because all my friends rejected me. I'm this way because my parents were so strict and so legalistic. You want to know why I'm hard? You want to know why I'm so willing to stay in this place of being impotent, of being invalid, of being someone whose whose faith looks blind, lame, and paralyzed because of what someone else has done. But you know, when your mindset is that you are in the place that you're in because of someone else, you will never rise up. You will never take hold of the grace that God has for you to step into. The problem with so many of us is that we're waiting on God to give us a handout when he already did it on the cross. We're waiting on God to come with some huge, powerful, supernatural boom shakalaka. <laughs> lay us out. Show me he's really real. When all this time God has been moving in your life. And he's been waiting on you to get out of a victim mentality and start to rise up. The biggest thing, the biggest problem with our generation is that we see ourselves as victims. You know why I'm angry? You know why I'm bitter? Because of this person. You know why I go out and I, and I try to sleep with as many girls as possible? Because of what happened to me when I was in high school. You know why I do the things that I do? Because of someone else. And this, this victim mentality. You know, they, one thing they say about our generation is that we continue to prolong our adolescence. Let's just call it out for what it really is. That we, we act, when we're in college, we act the same way that we did when we were in high school. And when we're out of college, we act the same way that we did when we were in college. And that's our spiritual walk as well. Is your faith the same place it was when you got saved? Are you at the same place that you were three years ago? You know what happens to a person who lays in bed in the exact same place, in the exact same spot for months, for years, without ever rising up? They rot. They literally rot. Their skin, their flesh begins to rot. They get sores. How many of you, that's your spiritual faith. That's your walk. 
laying in the same place you've always been. You know, Jesus, he walks up to this man, and this was the man's condition. But the funny thing was, was when Jesus walked up to him, even when I, when I re- read this passage over and over, I'm completely amazed. Because Jesus walks up to him and he asks him a question, right? He says, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well? Do you want to feel complete? And that's what, that's the cry of many of our hearts. That's the reason why we have a victim mentality. Is because something was taken from us. And so we feel like we lack. But when Jesus walks up to you and he says, do you want to be made whole? The funny thing was, is he didn't put his hands on this guy and just be like, you're healed. Boom. And the guy's like, okay, thank you. Jesus didn't, he didn't lay his hands on him. He didn't touch him. He didn't say be healed in the name of Jesus. He, he, <laughs> Jesus saying be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in my name. Get up. He didn't say be healed. He didn't say let me lay my hands on you here. He didn't say here let me give you a power encounter. He didn't say here let me touch you and then all my power come over you. You know what he said? He said get up. He said, get up, take up your mat and walk. He said, I know you've been feeling like a victim. I know you've been staying in the exact same place your entire life. You've been walking in the exact same Christian faith for what seems like years, what seems like just your entire life. But I'm not coming to you right now to just completely pull you out of it. I'm calling you to actually get up, to take the strength that I put inside of you already and to get up and walk. He didn't say, here, here's a free gift. Here, here's a handout. He said, no, you know what? Get up. That word, get up, you know what that word actually means? It means arise from the dead. That place where you've been dead. That place where you felt like a victim, like your entire life even, not just your Christian walk, let's just be real, has felt filled with death. Jesus walks up and he just says, arise. He says, get up. Take up your mat. Take up the thing that you've been holding on to. Take up the thing that you've been laying on all these years and that you've been using as your crutch. Take that up right now and begin to walk that word walk that word walk really means to walk in the fullness of the strength that i've given you and see in that moment this is the most critical moment in this man's life Because for 38 years, he's been sitting there and he's been laying there waiting on someone else to come and pick him up and put him in the pool. He's been waiting for someone else to come and make him do it. But Jesus walks up to him and he says, get up, rise up. And this man now has a choice. See, 
That's the biggest thing that we miss. Is that no matter what happens to you, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what will happen to you in the future, God always gives you a choice. He says, I know this has happened to you. I know you've experienced this thing. I know that this may be where your walk is at right now. But how will you respond? There's a difference between Christians that react and Christians that respond. So many of us react. It's our emotions. It's our circumstances. It's our environment. But a victorious Christian responds. And in that very moment, that guy who had been laying there for 38 years, he was presented with a choice. Either he could stay in that place of being a victim his entire life, or he could shift. He could shift into recognizing the strength that God's given him, and he could begin to walk. And the craziest thing happened. See, when this man, when he made that decision to shift, when he made that decision, you know what? I don't care what's happened to me in my past. I don't care what someone else has done to me. I don't care what my life might have been like. And he got up and he started to walk. That's when he was healed. That's when he was made whole. That's when he was he was made well and for many of you what God's calling you to do right now is to shift to shift from no longer seeing yourself as a victim no longer seeing yourself as simply some bitter product of what's happened to you in your past but to recognize what God has done and begin to declare over yourself you know what I'm no longer this victim I'm no longer this person who just reacts to the hurts and the pains that other people have done unto me. But rather, I choose to respond differently because I'm empowered by his spirit. I'm empowered by his grace. That's when you begin to then take hold of everything that God has for you. My testimony is one where I was abused. It was like three, four times a week for the first 15 years of my life. Half, almost half the time that this man had been laying there. And it was every night, every day when I would come home from school, I was gripped with terror. Because I was so afraid that when I got home, I was going to be beaten for no reason. I was afraid that I'd be verbally assaulted for no reason. Come in one minute late or one minute too early. Leave one thing out. Not just that, but I, I, was, I was so afraid that I would walk in and see my mother getting beaten. My mother getting abused. And this went on for 15 years. And then after that, after I was brought out of that situation, after my family was delivered from that situation, you know what I did? 
I took a victim mentality. You know what? God, I hate God. There's no God. If God was real, he wouldn't let me go through the things that I've went through. If God really loved me, he wouldn't have left me all alone. Victim, victim, victim. You know, the turning point came only after I realized, you know what? Even despite all the things I went through, even despite everything that I suffered through, and after we went through that, there was there was some more drama, you know. It was just it was like one thing after another, you know. We were lived in this abusive situation, and after that, we moved into shelter, and I had experienced the shame of of having to lie to people about where I lived, I have this victim mentality. I go to college, and I still have this victim mentality. When you have a victim mentality, you're desperate. Because you're hoping that the next thing will help to make you feel better about yourself. That was this guy. That was this man that was laying by the pool. Hoping that the next time the water stirred, someone would pick him up and make him whole. And that was me. And so what did I do? I I started becoming promiscuous. And drinking and partying. Hoping that the next time would make me feel a bit better about myself. And even after I became a Christian, my mindset, I was more than a conqueror, but my mindset didn't change. I'd received the Holy Spirit, but my mindset didn't change. Therefore, when I approached God, I approached him in the exact same way that I approached alcohol, in the exact same way that I approached women, in the exact same way that I approached every other situation in my life. God, I'm hoping that maybe this time you'll take me out. This time, this time. But you know, the transformation didn't take place until I recognized that in everything, God was always there. In everything that I went through, God was always there. God was always empowering me. God had already put strength in my life to respond differently. And when I took hold of that, That's when the breakthrough came. That's when the bitterness left. That's when the new life began to come in my walk with him. But you've got to make a decision today. You've got to choose to shift. I want us to go into a time of prayer right now. Let's bow our heads. John, if you can come up on the guitar.